Hey guys, you're listening to the Camera Therapy Podcast. I'm Damien. And I'm Aline. And today we're talking about what camera you should buy. Let's get into it. So what camera should you buy? I would say this, it all depends on what you are doing. Uh, Every camera is going to be good for a different situation. So I'll run down the list of situations. So Canon. Canon is... When it comes, okay, between Canon and Fuji, I would say king of colors. If you want an image that's going to look great out of camera, you want Canon. And the reason why I mention that is because if you're just starting out and your whole focus is just about being creative and not worrying too much about the technical side of things and not worrying too much about, oh, I got to color grade this later or shoot and log and all this garbage, that's the camera I would suggest. And I would suggest the Canon Rebel t5i t6i t7i that serious the Re- series sorry the rebel series is great uh images look great out of camera it was one of the first cameras i had and honestly everything i shot with that just looked great it's a super it's an APS-C sensor so it it's not the greatest in low light but if you get a good lens for it man you can make magic happen i've done it some of my favorite videos that i've ever created came from that camera and it just left me feeling inspired um so and even when i went full framing canon um it was the same thing i always just knew i was going to get good colors um and a lot of the full frame canon cameras now have pretty good autofocus as well yeah that's so something they've been pretty good at that's something yep that's something they've been really good at. So um, I highly recommend Canon if you're just starting out. If you're doing photo and video, I would highly recommend Canon as well, just because it does have that good autofocus. It take you can get great pictures from it out of camera. If you need a camera that's a good in between, like you're not sure if you want to do photo or video, and you think you might want to do both, I would highly recommend Canon. Yeah, I think um, it just also comes down to user friendliness because if we're gonna compare start comparing cameras yeah someone might be like what about sony and sony's great but good luck trying to get your head around that menu system because if you have never used a camera before or it's going to get one of your first real serious cameras you want to be shooting right away you don't want to be sitting with the manual being like where do i find this one setting or how do i set my camera up for the first time you kind of want to just take it out of the box pop in the battery and sd card and start shooting uh, Canon lets you do that. Everything is super intuitive. Their touchscreen is amazing too these days. Uh, back when you got yours, there was no touchscreen. Uh, you can touch to focus on most of their cameras now. I'm old school, man. I've gotten good at just <laughs> manual focusing. Yeah. That's why when I got the GH5 and people were like, the autofocus sucks. I'm like, that's cool. I've been doing this for yeah, like five and, years. And that's crazy because you're an event videographer. I know. And that's so hard to come by. Someone who shoots events, video events and focuses manually. Most people are always trying to do the autofocus thing, and there's there's pros and cons there, but I think you just feel comfortable being in control there. I feel comfortable being in control. I like the I like the challenge of it. That sounds and, so whack. But. And no, but it kind of keeps your head in the game. It's so easy. There's with so many features coming out, making cameras easier and easier to use, especially in a place where an event you can't. You, there's no second take. This isn't a movie. You kind of have to be present in the moment, and I think manual fo- focusing is one of those great ways to keep your eye on the screen on the subject and 
keep an eye out for any opportunities that you may have missed if you just had autofocus on and it's just sitting on a tripod. That will transition into the next camera I was going to talk about was Panasonic. So if you guys listened to our first episode, I was talking about my camera journey and at some point I got the GH5. So that camera is a micro four third sensor. It's not the greatest in low light, but honestly, you got to give and take with cameras. There's no such thing as the perfect camera. And in this case for me with the GH5, it is a great video camera. As soon as I decided I wanted to do videography, um, that's the reason why I got the GH5. It has that flip out screen, it shoots 4K 60, it has pretty good colors. Uh, the GH5S has better colors, but the GH5 still has good colors. Um, it's not the greatest in low light, it's not the worst, it's not the greatest. If you pair that if you pair that camera with the right lens, you can get some great, great, great images out of it. Do not knock micro four thirds. No, and okay. also low light isn't everything. It's not. And I'm gonna tell you this, cause I said that I've been joining Facebook groups and some guy tried to come from my head the other day. Cause I was talking about, I was, some guy shot this and he's like, why is my footage so grainy? And I'm like, yo, I'm like, you just gotta use better light. I'm like, you gotta make better use of lighting. I'm like, that camera, like he used a GH3 and I'm like, okay, that's definitely not a great low light camera. I'm like, but you still need to be wary or cautious about lighting and learning how to use lighting to your advantage, right? Not just using it, like throwing it on top of your camera, but using it as a fill, a backlight, things like this to kind of manipulate light, to light a scene without making it obvious that you're just lighting a scene, right? Yeah. And this guy in the comments tried to come from my head. He's like, have you ever heard of the A7S II? I'm like, yes, I've heard of the A7S yeah, too, so this, has everybody. This camera is like the legendary camera every Sony fanboy will talk about. It is a great camera, but this guy tried to come from my head and said, oh, have you heard the A7S too? I'm like, yes, I do. And But that doesn't mean if I go to a wedding and I have a bride and groom dancing in the middle of the dance floor, I'm not just going to have them in pitch black because my camera goes to freaking like... 10 million ISO like that doesn't mean I'm just gonna use a you know what I mean like I still want to like them I want to separate them from the background I want them to look epic lighting creates mood and just because you can see your image doesn't mean you have one that's intentional mm -hmm. if you're just gonna bump up your ISO and call it a day and then try to do some tweaking in post you might get a nice image but nowhere near as where you could have if you just used lighting effectively and intentionally exactly so with that said if you are in, if you are doing videography i highly recommend the gh5 or the gh5s those two cameras have their plus and minuses we'll talk about that in a different podcast but uh, i highly recommend the gh5 just you need to learn how to be intentional with focusing because it does not have great autofocus but that's okay most film cameras don't have great auto okay i can't say that now but yeah back when you started back when i started autofocus was just coming up and yeah. canon was one of the first to like throw throw in the game with the dual pixel autofocus yeah yeah so i would say get good at focusing uh manually and then get good at manipulating light the lighting is not terrible but I would just say if you're shooting a wedding or you're shooting an event or you're doing corporate, if you're doing corporate, use soft boxes. You want to light them anyway. It looks professional. It'll look way better. If you can turn your f-stop way lower and not have to bump your ISO, it's a lot more detail you're going to get. That's a shallower depth of field that you want. So I highly recommend using lights like when it comes down to it. Even if I was shooting with, I even said it to the guy. I'm like, if I had a Sony A7S II, I would still be using lights. Yep. It's, if you go on a film set, man, they got lights. 
They got lights everywhere. There's a reason. Yeah, so, and you don't need to be crazy with your lighting. You have what two that you use mostly? Like, I usually, like honestly, it? I have two lights that I usually use. Um, I got the Godox SLB 60s, most underrated light I find right now. No one's really talking about it, but they're continuous lights. Um, they're great. They come with little switches. You literally walk anywhere and just hit the switch and they turn on. You don't got to walk up to it and turn it on. Um, they're powerful. They're great lights. Uh, they're daylight lights and they're battery powered. So you don't have to hook it up into like a, like a plug. It has its own batteries on the back. Uh, for anyone who does photography, they look identical to the B4, B600s or B, I can't remember what it's called. Not big with photography, but it looks pretty much identical yeah, to similar, them. similar to their flash heads. Exactly. So that's what I recommend between those two cameras. Can you talk about Sony and Fuji and who those cameras are for? Sony makes amazing, amazing cameras. No one can deny what they do with technology. It's always pushing the envelope forward. In any sense, they've got the S line and the R line and then the standard, but I'm going to talk about the R and the S. Um, if you're shooting video, you want the S just because you're going to get better low, no uh, low noise performance. I'd say if you want to do work that rivals the look of some cinema cameras, Sony kind of gives you that look, but it doesn't, it, do it comes with a price. Literally, it's expensive, one, but two, you kind of have to really work on the footage. Color science is getting better. Uh, they've got some color profiles that look decent, but compare it to Canon, compare it to Fuji, their skin tones need a lot of work. So if you're someone who wants that sort of pipeline where you've got, you want something that's shooting 4K with eye tracking and you want super slow-mo and full frame and you want all of that, Sony is basically going to give you the best tech specs with a price, but they're going to give that to you and they will deliver. But you are going to have to have post-production process and be ready for that. Uh, so the R series is for, it's a high megapixel count camera. So if you're someone who's going to be doing, for example, maybe fashion, product photography, um, big prints, if you're doing any sort of print work, you kind of want that high megapixel to give you as much detail as possible. And you, these are not cameras you wanna push the ISO too much on because it has a very optimal range that you wanna work under to con to control that detail that you're gonna get from those megapixels. But it's not something that I personally recommend go out and shoot on 15,000 ISO. That's something you could probably get away with the A7 and clean it up, but the R series is definitely geared more towards people doing photo work. And, and even then, it's really specific photo work. If you want a hybrid camera that does photo video, the R will do it for you. But if you're not doing very detailed work that needs that level of detail or you need you crop in in post or whatever it is, stick with the S. I believe it's 12 megapixels. Yes, or the, a, the A7 III is a great camera. Even the A7 III. Yeah, the A7 III is a great in-between camera. And I've seen stuff that people have done with it and they've done amazing things with that camera. And obviously, and honestly, it's a lot cheaper too. Yeah. It's a lot cheaper than the A7R and the a7s so it's a good in-between camera if you're trying to do hybrid shooting the a7 series is awesome yeah the a7 is definitely geared way towards more video for that low noise performance um, but across the board you'll find similar technology and i'm gonna repeat this a lot in this podcast but if you know what you're doing you're going to get a great image out of either one of those cameras and the difference is going to be negligible 
for most people because most people are watching stuff online and we are not pixel peeping. We're not blowing this up on a theater. So again, mostly who's gonna notice the difference? It's probably you. And you have to ask yourself, do you really care that much? Okay, what about the A6 series? The A6 series is great. I personally love it for people who travel, who vlog. It's that tiny size that you need to throw in your bag, get whatever shots you need. It's no one's, it almost looks like a point and shoot um, with the right lens on. It looks like a point and shoot camera. Um, but the great thing is you can put whatever uh, Sony lenses you want on it. It's got the same E-mount. So it's a very versatile camera. Um, they've got each of the different lines still up. Great camera, um, but one of them actually gives you, lets you record past the 30 minute limit. Honestly, I feel like that would be the A65. Yeah, it's one of them, but none of the others in this lineup does that. I haven't looked into the A66 yet. Mm -hmm. Sony has these different cameras for different purposes. The A65 does not give you, it does not let you pass the 30 minute limit, but the A64, for whatever reason, that camera does. But yeah, in the lineup, it came before it, but does that mean it's a lesser camera? No, it's just got different features and yeah. you need to look up what you're doing. And the A64 also does not have image stabilization built into the body, but the A65 does. So, like we said, every camera is good for a different situation. And once you find your niche market, then you need to find your niche camera. And that takes time to figure out. Everything takes time to figure out and you figure out what your niche is creatively, then you figure out what your niche camera is. We can only speak about the cameras and you would kind of have to listen and decide if does this work for me? Make a mental note like does this work for me? But I cannot tell you straight up if a camera is meant for you. Yeah. One thing you said, and I just want to touch on this, Sony. If you guys are going to run Sony, get either a speed booster. So there's something called a speed booster and pretty much lets you adapt other lenses from different mounts. So say you're rocking Sony but you have all Canon glass, which I highly recommend. That's what I would recommend. Sony's, he said it earlier, Sony's lenses are crazy ass expensive. And if you could rock a Sony body, the speed booster, which lets you mount other types of lenses, and I would mount Canon lenses. Canon glass is clean, sorry, sharp, it's well-made, and it's, I don't want to say half the price of Sony, but it's a lot cheaper than Sony. They've got the, the thing about Canon and Nikon too. Uh, we haven't really mentioned Nikon, but the thing about these two companies is they have been around in the camera game for so long that their lens lineup is unmatched to anyone out there. So just by sheer volume, you're going to have so many options, not just in a camera store, but the secondhand market is great for lenses. It doesn't really depreciate in, by using it unlike a camera does. Um, as long as you know what you're looking for uh, when you're buying a used lens. As long as you know what you're looking for, you can save a lot of money by buying used lenses. And that's why getting Canon glass makes sense on a financial standpoint as well. You just have a huge supply and the prices in the used market are much lower, even when it, you compare it to Sony. Okay, hit him with the underdog story. Hit him with Fuji. All right. So recently people have been waking up to Fuji. Um, and it's, it's, it's not really anybody's fault. Fuji's kind of been slacking on the video game for a long time until the X-T3. Um, a lot of people walked in being like, oh, I want the GH5S, GH5. I'm like, that's a great camera too.
but have you considered the Fuji X-T3? They're like, well, I want 4K60. And I'm like, oh, well, this does 4K60. And they're like, oh, what? I didn't know that another camera company does 4K60 around this price range. Um, yeah, the, the, the great thing about Fuji across the board, I'm going to say, is whatever you go for, you're going to get a pretty much good value for dollar complete opposite to sony you're gonna get a lot for your money with sony things that some people may not give you but maybe those are things you won't even use with fuji you get what's the xt3 canadian like 2400 with a kit lens i think that's you're you're good to go you've got a lens in there some sony bodies run for 4000 without a lens if you want 4k 60 if you want to shoot log if you want to do all these crazy things with your camera if you want great autofocus do you want eye tracking face tracking whatever you want Fuji's serving that in their X-T3 and my personal favorite why I got the camera because I'm not someone who pushes the envelope with technology that far is I just want great skin tones and camera that's one thing that will take you forever to do in post especially if you're not a color grader by trade because that takes a long time to learn and every codec and every profile is different you can't just be like oh I know how to grade this profile so I can just do the same thing on this one you kind of have to approach it each one differently I'm all about optimizing workflow and if I can shoot something in camera and do minimal tweaking to it and export deliver to my client, I want a quick turnaround. And the one thing Aline mentioned to me, and I guess you can expand on this, is that kit lens. Yeah, um, for a kit lens, which has a bad rep now thanks to many kit lenses out there, the 18-55 to by Fuji starts at an f2.8. Some kit lenses start at an f4. So you're when you're shooting at 18 focal length, your aperture is at 2.8, which is a huge bargain for what you're getting in a kit lens. It's also made in, made out of metal. Most, almost all Fuji lenses are. So you're getting great construction from what you're investing in and a pretty decent low light option if you're shooting on that wider spectrum. And it goes to F4, not even 5.6 like most kit lenses do. So it goes 2.8 to F4 f4 is a very shootable video range especially today with how fast processors are at denoising images and how great iso performances have gotten if you can't shoot at f4 and get a usable image you need to do a lot more research on how to actually shoot video and that lens also has in-body image stabilization on it or yeah. sorry the lens the lens itself has stabilization on it which is another bonus because the X-T3, unlike some of the other, well, one of the other Fuji cameras, uh, the X-T3 does not have sensor stabilization. Um, personally, I'm not a fan, which is why I was happy with this camera, but um, the X-H1, which is its predecessor or separate line, really, that does have uh, five-axis sensor stabilization if you really want to be shooting on, like, a motorcycle or something. What's the downfall with that camera, though? The X-H1, unfortunately, the biggest downfall is it's got the older processor, which equals slower uh, autofocus performance. Sometimes it's not even doing it properly. You'll see test footage where it's just hunting for a face. Um, they've kind of tweaked it with firmware upgrades, but it already took the hit when the camera came out. The one thing you mentioned to me, can you tell people about the lens that you originally bought for your X-T3 yeah. and then how you switched to? So I got my X-T3 and this, this goes to show you how even people who do this by trade will make mistakes because they think that that's a better option. So I got the X-T3 and I got the 16-55, to which is a 24-70 to equivalent um, Fuji lens because it had a constant 2.8 aperture and... 
I wanted to travel and I kind of didn't, I'm not going to be in a situation where I can um, always have the best lighting conditions. So I was just trying to make my life easier and give myself a lens that does it all. Problem number one is that lens is heavy. It, it balances fine on the camera, but because it's so heavy and if I'm not, because I'm not, I bought this camera for travel purposes, um, I'm not going to be rocking a monopod or a shoulder rig or anything of that sort. I was just gonna handhold everything. And I'm in weird situations, sometimes I'm in a car, sometimes I'm walking, I don't know what I'm doing. I could have really used the stabilization from the kit lens. So what I ended up doing is I actually sold the 16 to 55 and then bought the kit lens, which is a complete waste of money because I could have just saved money by getting the kit lens with my body for the first place. But um, that was me kind of being like, oh, that's the kit lens, I'm not even gonna think about that because I just had this like industry, um, buzzword of the kit lens kind of stuck in my head about oh um that's a kit lens i'm just gonna go for their pro series um lens right away and that goes to show you you are never done learning with this industry you can't just think you know it all and then make a decision you kind of have to take your time and understand why you wanted to do something and move that way and yeah, it's always going to come back to that for me is what do I want and how can I do this the most efficiently with great return on investment? Because time and money mean a lot to everyone involved in a project. And if I can deliver something that looks almost as good as what someone who spent 10, 10 times the amount of money and time on something, I would rather do that the option where I'm saving all that time and money. Okay, so we totally neglected Nikon. Yeah, and we did. Let's bonus that. Okay, so we're both videographers, so we don't talk a whole lot about Nikon, but I will say that I actually shot for nine months on a D850, and my experience with Nikon from a video standpoint, and I know they don't specialize in video, especially when I was shooting it uh, with it. Uh, they they shoot they they do well with video now. Uh, with the Z6 and yeah, they've come a long way. They've come a long way, so they they have very great cameras when it comes to video. But uh, for me, I would say Nikon. I can't speak on photography. I don't want to sit yeah, there and act like neither I of know. us are really photographers. Yeah, neither of us are photographers, and Nikon is more of a photographer's camera. It's um, been favored by photographers yes. more than Canon has. Yeah, and although Canon has photographers too. I've seen people do really nice things with Nikon. My only experience was I used to work at, uh, for a major company, I'm not going to say a name, I used to work for a major company and I used to do a lot of their in-house stuff and uh, uh, the cameras that they had were all Nikon and that was a little weird for me because I came from Canon. You want a camera that feels right in your hands, yeah. a camera that makes you want to shoot and I just found that camera never made me want to shoot video. Uh, it just didn't feel geared for video to me but i did shoot a lot of stuff with it and it was it was a good camera yeah. uh just not my first option do and you have any opinion on that gunner i think for me it just comes right back to i've always been saying give me a nikon give me a canon like literally whatever you have i grew up on a d3100 i know nikon just as well as i know a canon or a fuji at this point i shot a lot of short films and music videos on that camera and i learned to shoot with it like it's like I'm baking the image right in camera, so I'm going to light for it. At this day and age, they're all great cameras. The question for me when I ask other people is, 
how much do you want to spend? And does that money make sense to you? Or do you want to do this instead and learn your craft with a smaller investment? Because people have this idea that, oh, I want to buy once and then I'll be done. Uh, if you're someone who's shooting events, chances are that's probably not going to happen. I do recommend holding on to your gear and letting that investment pay you back. But you're probably going to upgrade and you might as well make a small one now because you don't know what your business move is yet. Awesome. Okay, so I have a bonus round for us. Black magic. Black magic. Black magic. I know you have a funny take on this. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so when we say black magic, we're talking about the pocket cinema cameras because they've been making some buzz in the past like two years. I've considered it at one point. I didn't do it because at the end of the day, I like a camera to look the way I want it to look right at a camera. So that's my two cents on the pocket yeah. cinema camera. If you came to me right now as a customer being like, oh, I want, an, um, I want like the best camera and I do events and I gave you this camera, that would make zero sense because this is not an events camera at all. When people say this is a cinema camera, um, that can mean a lot of things to a lot of people and i think if you were to take a poll like i'm i'm almost guaranteed if you asked any film student today what camera do you want that's like budget friendly they would all say black magic why because it gives you the dynamic range uh, similar to a film camera um when i say film i mean literally shooting on film um you get that flat picture profile you I, I don't know if that camera gives you DaVinci Resolve, but you can, if you have DaVinci Resolve, the free version or the paid version, you can do a lot with that to pull great images out of it. I don't think everyone going to film school wants to be a color grader. I don't, I don't think everyone's goal is to be a colorist. It's good to know a little bit about everything, but I think your time can be invested in better things. And again, if color grading is what you want to do i feel like i'm shitting on color graders right now color grading is what you want to do please get this camera and you will have a blast you're going to learn a lot because it gives you so much information to work with and it's right in davinci's ecosystem as well if you're someone who's going to open or do freelance corporate films um even corporate films like yeah you can definitely shoot it on this it's not like an event but Do you not want to have a fast turnaround? I know you don't have three people sitting back in a studio waiting to edit that footage for you. You're going to go home. You're going to have to sort through all of that. Um, And don't tell me you're going to just throw in a LUT and call it a day because that's not how it works. Cool thing about this camera, though, is that you can, it has an E-mount, so you can, EF mount, sorry. So you can actually mount Canon lenses to it. Yeah. So you don't have to get a speed booster. Yeah, uh, because they used to be micro four thirds. Yep. Um, but the newest one that just came out, it does shoot 6K. Now, let me be the one to tell you this because I've been through Max, I've been through PCs, and I'm telling you right now, if you're going to get a 4K or a 6K or an 8K or a 5 million K camera, you need to have a computer that can handle that power. So if you're gonna invest in a camera that's gonna pack a punch, you might as well start saving up for that computer as well because you are not editing this on a little pinch stock MacBook Pro. Maybe you'll get away with it with proxies, if you do proxies. If you wanna edit efficiently, quickly, and not blow your computer. Definitely not on Premiere. Yeah, if you don't wanna blow your computer up, then uh, you need to get a computer system that can handle specs like that. Um, 
But yeah, Blackmagic, uh, they're not terrible cameras. We're not saying that. Ali might be saying that. <laughs> uh, but there's just been a lot of hype around that camera. And for the most part, working at the camera store, a lot of people would come in. We'd ask them, why do you want this camera? They don't really have a good reason as to why. They're just like, oh, it's a cinema camera. I need yeah, this. It's the best. Yes. And it's I, got these specs. And I'm it like, lo- and that's another thing. It's yeah, just, ergonomically, that's not a camera you want to hold in your hand. It's just not that pretty. No. It, it like, looks weird. It's definitely designed to be rigged and be on a tripod or a monopod if you do that or a shoulder rig. Like that is a camera designed to be rigged. It looks like a brick with a micro penis on it. <laughs> That's the best way I could describe it. It's not a pretty camera by any means. There you go. I don't know about you, but anytime I've held a black magic camera, why does it feel like plastic? It does. Like every it feels part like a of it toy. feels like It plastic. feels like one of those toys you got in the 90s that was like one of those fake cameras. Yeah. And I think that's kind of how they get the price so low. Like the I'm materials s- they're using is it just... It doesn't feel like, right. You've got like the state-of-the-art sensor technology and processor and everything going on inside. And they're like, all right, let's just put like a happy toy around it. It, it looks ridiculous. And, but you know what's cool though? The good thing about this camera is that it has like, I think it's five inches. It's like a five inch display built on the back. Yeah, it's great. But how you were mentioning, why do I have a screen that big when I can't even turn it? Mm -hmm. Like I can't look at that screen, even for someone who's using this for shooting films. Like that's the worst place to have the screen because only you can look at it. Um, You definitely need a monitor with that. Yeah, most people use an external monitor anyway. Yeah, and I'm sure that big screen does no justice for its battery life whatsoever either. How's battery life? It's the same, but the great thing is it's got external power. You can actually um, connect a V-mount battery to it or any other external power source, run it that way. But if you're talking about the batteries, it's the same. So it does shoot 4K. Um, it does shoot in 10-bit color, right? Yeah. Yes, it does. Which, shoot by the 10-bit. way, the XT3 also shoots in 10-bit, and which a lot of people don't. So know. does the GH5. Yeah. So there are options, y'all. Um, being someone who actually owns the GH5 and the GH5S, how do I feel about 10-bit? Guess what, y'all? I don't shoot in 10-bit. If you want to shoot in 10-bit, once again, you need to have a computer that can handle that or else you're not going to be able to do it anyway. And you can dive into the technical aspects of this in forums online. I don't need to fill your ear about it, but briefly, if you're shooting 10-bit in a heavily compressed codec, your 10-bit's not going to be that great anyways. So you might as well shoot 8-bit 422 in that same codec and you're probably going to have a better image. Honestly. All right, so we are nearing the end of this episode. It's been a long episode, a lot of information. I'm pretty sure if you're taking notes, your head hurts, and that's good because you're learning. And uh, we're irritating you in a good way. Yeah, it's therapeutic. Therapeutic. And uh, minus my micro penis comment, this has been, been this a pretty has been good a pretty, uh, PG-13 episode. <laughs> I just ruined the whole thing, but I just couldn't think of anything else to describe that. It's just, it's just not a cute-looking camera, man. Oh, it's, there's been... Even their studio cameras look better. Yeah. We didn't give would. Olympus any love. Like, yeah. none. Okay. All right. Shout-out to Olympus. Shout-out to Olympus for the lenses. Their lenses are very, very, very sharp. And I use them all on my GH5S, and I also use Sigma, but I do use Olympus lenses. The 12 to 100 is bomb. It's technically full-frame equivalent. It's a 24 to 200 f4, and it is sharp, 
and it has image stabilization. It's weather sealed. It's made in all metal. It's got six, 19, 16 elements built into it. It is a beautiful, beautiful lens. It's got that clutch focus where you can like a shotgun and like switch from auto focus to manual focus. It is beautiful. It's a beautiful lens. I have it. I use it all the time. It is the best lens I've ever had on a camera. Yeah, and for the size, it's great too. And also shout out to Olympus for waking up the industry because I'm pretty sure they were the first ones to start doing in-body stabilization in a real way um, with their sensor stabilization technology. So if it wasn't for Olympus, Sony would still be sleeping, I'm sure. Olympus is known as the grandpa, the grandpa camera, but- uh, Big daddy. We appreciate them. Yeah. I appreciate them in different ways. But y'all need to switch up the look of those cameras because they are not cute. And they do shoot great video, by the way. They do shoot 4K. Uh, they are micro four-thirds cameras. Who are they good for? Your grandpa. I'm joking. Uh, they're, they're good for somebody who needs a camera that can do a bit of both. You can take really nice photos with it. The shutter is fast on those cameras. And they are weather-sealed. Uh, not all of them, but uh, you can get a decent weather-sealed camera from them for a good price. So check out olympus as well um their colors are not my favorite that's not my favorite thing about yeah. them uh but they do make great small cameras and they're good travel cameras as well a lot of their cameras too have flip out screens so if you want some good video that's also a camera i would consider as well if you're listening to this and a lot of this just sounds like mumbo jumbo to you that's a good sign that you need to understand what you want to shoot because let me be the first to deter you from diving into this rabbit hole of trying to figure out what all this technical stuff means. That will come. The more you shoot, you're going to learn those things. There's no way you can get around that. But you need to know what you want to shoot. You need to learn how to make a good composition. You don't need any camera to learn composition. But that's something so fundamental that no one talks or cares about but a lot of things that could have been better are ruined because composition is not even part of their thought process they were too busy thinking about shooting something at 120 frames per second and getting the lowest light image possible or whatever it is that they want to be doing um, but if you want to look at things that are more technical Start, for, start with composition, because that's something that's going to carry with you regardless of what you shoot on. One thing I'll say this too, just throwing this in there, but if you are an event videographer, photographer, please get a camera with dual SD card slots. It's a small thing that paints a bigger picture. If you are taking photos at an event or you're taking videos at an event and you only got one shot to get that footage... You want to have a dual SD card slot. Well, I look forward to talking a lot more about this stuff. Hopefully, we're not going to continue to just hit you with a lot of tech stuff. Um, I would like to talk about more like the philosophy behind how to shoot and why I shoot and kind of talk about cameras in a different way yep. than what, what we've been hearing in this space. If you guys have any questions about in detail about these cameras or just any questions based on anything we spoke about earlier let us know make sure to follow the podcast if you want to keep up to date with all the episodes that we're going to drop and if you want to be amazing leave us a review give us a like follow us on instagram at the camera therapy podcast 
And yeah, guys, stay tuned for more.